You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org. Welcome to Sidefair Christian Church. Welcome back, Dale. <laughs> the, um, my name is Donna. I am the pastoral admin here at the staff and so excited to be here with you. So great to see everybody. There is a lot going on. If you are a guest, we're especially glad you're here. If you'll take a few moments, there's a connection card in the back of your pew. If you will fill that out, drop it in the basket, or you can um, also take it to the welcome desk in the foyer and they have a gift for you. There's a lot going on at Cypher Christian Church. The first thing I'd like to tell you about and invite you to is we're having a reception for our new student discipleship minister immediately following service. So if you'll join us in the Foundation Center, and we also would love to grab your picture. We're putting together a album for Cody and Lauren to get to know our faces and our names. So if you'll stop by that booth area in there, come by, have a snack, grab their neck, hug them, let them know that we're extremely happy that they're here. If you will also take a look through your bulletin, you'll find that there is a lot of things going on um, still for the summer. Ladies is doing a Zoom class that Denise Myers is leading. She would love to tell you more about that if you can grab her after church, or you can also go to the website and um, learn more information. So anyway, look through here, find out what's going on, get plugged in. It is so good to hear the excitement and uh, just good visiting here in this place as you welcome each other. And uh, it's always good to see you. Um, Been on a trip with our students to Colorado this past week. We had a fantastic time pretty intense trip, so we're always thankful that God brings us back safely, and uh, I tell you, we have a fantastic group of students. We really do. Joey has told me again and again about how special this trip to Colorado is, and um, I concur. It's incredible to see God at work in the lives of our students. Uh, You know, guys, so many times Um, We come into this place, and and it's a place of safety, it's a place of refuge, and sometime um, we don't acknowledge what's happening in the world around us. And you know, I think it's needed today um, that we just pause for a moment of silence, um, that we lift up the families in El Paso. Um, What a tragic situation that we lift up the families, another shooting last night in Ohio, and that we just spend a moment in silence and pray for these families in their time of loss and pray for these families who literally, um, their family members hanging on by a thread right now. So if you would just bow your head and let's have a time of silence. Father, we just acknowledge that we live in a broken world. Father, we acknowledge um, that we groan, that our world groans and we groan. Uh, We hurt uh, in our own lives and Father, we hurt for others um, during this time of tragic loss. 
Father, we lift up the families in El Paso. Um, Father, we pray for those family members um, who are still uh, in critical condition in hospitals. Father, we pray that your body, that your church uh, might be your hands and your feet during this tragic time. Father, we pray for the families in Ohio. We don't know all the details, but we know that there's hurt and pain and grief in that place as well today. Father, in the midst of all this pain, all this evil, uh, Father, we acknowledge that you are a good God, that you are faithful to us, your people, that you are bringing about. And one day, um, we as your people will be in a world without suffering, without pain, without struggle and conflict and injustice. Father, we look forward to a new heaven and a new earth someday. Uh, Father, we thank you for this. Even in the midst of pain, we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Most of you know we've already announced the last few weeks that we have a new student minister on uh, his way. He and his wife own their way to Texas. Uh, they have arrived, and I want you to welcome Cody and Lauren Chaffin. If you just stand, I want you to see them and welcome them. We are so excited that you guys are here and um, so excited that you'll be going on the backpacking trip next year. <laughs> no, it was fantastic. So excited that you're going to be working uh, with our students and our children who will be moving up into the student ministry. God has blessed us and we thank him um, for you and we thank him um, for his blessing. We are going to have an elders meeting in, a, in about a week and a half. So if you have prayer requests, make them known and we will take time to pray specifically for them then during that meeting. Colorado, so of course my daughter was there and we met the, uh, the bus when it came, full of very happy people, very tired people. But all I want to say about that is I have four bags of personal effects and none of them have any fresh air in them. It's all I gotta say. And one maybe Dale's. Okay, 10 good reasons to come to church. Hear preaching of the word. For people that are seeking. For people that are learning, new and old. Participate in corporate worship. I love that. Be sharpened by other believers. In truth and in love. Exercise your gifts. So this is really a devotion about giving. Encourage church staff. It's a good one. To find godly mentors. Young guys. Give us older folks a call. To teach our kids to love church. To be light in our community. To bear each other's burdens. Because God says so. Good reasons to come to church. Just a few reasons to come to church. Hebrews. 
Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day drawing near. There are so many ways that we do give. This is a church that gives. And part of that, of course, is just continuing the strength in the community that we have. So I encourage you to continue that in whichever ways that we can this morning. Reach out and give. Let's pray, please. Uh, Father, this is um, a time of rejoicing as we come into this place, Father. We rejoice in your name, Jesus. And by your Holy Spirit, we thank you for all the ways that you work in our lives. And even as we are challenged, Lord, you teach us to be grateful, to be thankful. But more than that, Lord, you teach us just to come to you humbly in praise and petition for the things that we feel are on our hearts. And in that, we ask for your blessing as we reach out into the congregation and against us and close to us and uh, out in our community. Let us ripple out with the light and life that you give us, that you show us. And we thank you so much, Lord, for this time of offering. We take these gifts and we raise our voices and our hearts to you, Father. Amen. Good morning. Some of you are probably wondering, like me, what is going on here? The kids guy did not leave with the kids. <clears throat> Uh, Dale has been after me to teach for a while. And, and because my volunteers stretched themselves, I figured I needed to too. So the way I see it, this can go two ways. Worst case scenario, we all learn from my mistakes. Best case scenario, you guys are like, wow, that was really good. I'd like to spend more time with him, like once a month, volunteering in Quest Kids. Preferably in like kindergarten or preschool. It'll be somewhere in that range. Many of you know my son Xander. And on an almost weekly basis, someone comes up to me and says something like, I was just talking with Xander. And in those moments, I panic a little bit. Because I have no clue what he has said. Xander is a unique individual in that if he's thinking it, he says it. If you ask Xander, how's your day? You're probably not going to get an okay. You're probably going to get a five-minute conversation with everything that happened, the good, the bad, and what that means for the rest of his day. And so when people say, I, I was talking with Xander, I'm like, oh, what did he say? Most of the time it's good. But there's positives to that as well. And, and one of those positives 
is that if Xander's thinking about something and he has a question, almost always we can guarantee that he's gonna ask the question that he's thinking about. He's gonna come to us and want to know an answer. And in February, my grandmother's passed away, or my grandmother passed away uh, a few weeks ago, one of my cousins passed away. And so for the first time in Xander's life that he's been aware, he's been confronted with death. And for a seven-year-old to, to start processing that is big. And so he, he came to me and, and he said, Dad, what's heaven going to be like? Now, I wish that I could say that when he came to me and he asked that question, my master's in education kicked in, or at the very least, like the decade plus that I've been volunteering with kids and students and, and, and working with the students professionally kicked in, and that I had a really innovative and, and clear way to explain the ideas of N.T. Wright or Randy Elkhorn to him in a way a seven-year-old would understand. None of that happened. Instead, when he said, Dad, what's heaven going to be like? What popped into my head was a song, this song. Now, if you were in high school or college in the 90s, you probably know this. I was. If you've spent a lot of time working with kids and students, you probably know this. This is Big House by Audio Adrenaline. I don't think there's been a year at camp that we haven't listened to this song. And the lyrics talk about what heaven's gonna be like. One of the things that I love about the lyrics is coming up at the end of this second verse, talks about not knowing if you've ever felt love, but wishing that you had. And then it invites you to heaven. It invites you to follow Christ and to seek him. So when Xander asked me, Dad, what's heaven going to be like? This is what I thought of. I thought of Big House by Audio Adrenaline. And in my head, I talked myself out of using it. I was like, you cannot explain heaven to your son using Audio Adrenaline. You can't do it. There's just no way. And so I took the cop-out route and I said something along the lines of, well, we have some ideas that the Bible gives us, but we won't know until we get there. We just know it's gonna be really, really good. And as a seven-year-old, he was okay with that. But here's the thing, I should have gone with audio adrenaline. Because at their core, those lyrics, the love that only God can give us, a place that we can go and be with him forever, a community of other believers that we can be with, that's a good description of heaven. It's a good jumping off point. Those lyrics are about 
heaven as a redeemed place with a redeemed community of believers in a redeemed time. And so that's what we're gonna examine today. We're gonna, we're gonna look at some of those ideas. Um, would you pray with me before we dive into that? Father God, thank you for um, kids with questions. Thank you for truths in the Bible and people that can simplify it for me, like audio adrenaline. Uh, thank you for uh, the ability to take comfort in the promises you've given us. In your name we pray, amen. So, first up, they talk about going to a place. And, and heaven really, truly is a place. If we look at Revelation 21, the author of Revelation describes heaven when he sees it. And the words that he uses in Revelation 21 are things like throne, dwelling, he talks about city walls, he talks about buildings, he talks about streets, he talks about rivers, and he goes on and over and over and over when John is describing his vision of heaven, he's using tangible words, words that describe a physical thing. And, and, and one of the cool things about that is that that reinforces what Jesus himself told us. In John chapter 14, verse two, Jesus says, in my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that? I go and prepare a place for you. Jesus tells us himself, it's a place. I am going to prepare a place for you. And that idea that it's a physical place, that when we get to heaven, it's not just a spiritual realm. It's not some dimension only for our souls, but that it's a real, real place is comforting. And, and it's, it's comforting for a reason. A, a couple weeks ago, uh, when Kevin was up here, he talked about how the uh, prevailing ideas of pop culture are often not appealing to us, that they don't sound exciting when they describe heaven. The idea of sitting on that cloud with a harp or endless white rooms, that it doesn't excite us. And there's a reason for that. The reason that we don't connect to that is because that's not what we were designed for. When God created mankind, he created Adam from earth. He created Eve from Adam. We were created from a physical place for a physical place. He created us to live in his creation. And as his descendants, we have that innate connection to a physical place. So the idea that a physical place is 
our ultimate resting place when we choose to follow Jesus is comforting and it's exciting. Uh, in his book, Heaven, Randy Elkhorn talks about it a little bit. And he, he has a quote. He says, we do not desire to eat gravel. Why? Because God did not design us to eat gravel. Trying to develop an appetite for a disembodied existence in a non-physical heaven is like trying to develop an appetite for gravel. No matter how sincere we are, no matter how hard we try, it's not going to work, and it shouldn't. What God made us to desire, and therefore what we do, do desire, if we admit it, is exactly what he promises to those who follow Jesus Christ. A resurrected life in a resurrected body with the resurrected Christ on a resurrected earth, a real place. Our desires correspond precisely to God's plans. It's not that we want something so that we engage in wishful thinking that what we want exists, it's the opposite. The reason we want it is precisely because it's what God had planned. The thought that we're going to a redeemed world makes something in us leap because that's what God's plan is for us. The reason we don't get excited about the idea of sitting on that pop culture cloud and strumming a harp forever is because it's not what God ever intended for his people. And, and when we realize that our future is a physical place, it impacts how we live in our current physical place. It informs how we react today. It's important to know that we're going to a physical place. Um, and, and we can see that in another quote from Alcorn. This one's shorter, I promise. In heaven, he says, understanding and anticipating the physical nature of the new earth corrects a multitude of errors. It frees us to love the world that God has made without guilt while saying no to the world corrupted by our sin. It reminds us that God himself gave us the earth, gave us love for the earth, and will delight to give us the new earth. Understanding that we were intended for a physical destination lets us appreciate the physical destination we're in right now. It lets us say, look at all the amazing, amazing things that God has created and hope and imagine for what's to come for his followers. And I think we get a truer appreciation for that when we look at the creation of this earth. I'm a history major, so to understand the present, to understand the future, I look to the past. And when we look all the way back in Genesis 1-1, we see the account of God creating our world. We see the care that he took, the effort he put into making this place special. We're not gonna read the whole thing. There's a little bit that I wanted to share with you. 
Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and that it was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And God called the expanse heaven. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Eight verses that show the meticulous nature that God undertook creation. It wasn't flippant. It wasn't a frivolous thing. He poured himself into it to make sure it was the best possible creation it could be. And that's just a section of it. There's 17 more verses before we ever get to the creation of mankind where we see God intentionally and meticulously creating the earth that we're in today. And that's exciting because that gives us a little taste of what that new earth is gonna be like, what heaven is going to be like when we get there onto a redeemed world that isn't marred by sin. Another quote from Alcorn. God poured himself, his creativity and his love into making Eden for his creatures. But at that time, that's all we were, his creatures, his image bearers. Now that we are both his children and his bride, chosen out of the human race to live with him forever, would we expect more or less than Eden? More, of course. And that's exactly what the new earth will be. When Jesus said he was going to prepare a place, he was pouring himself into it the way we see God the Father pouring himself into creation. And the new earth that we get to ultimately experience when we follow Jesus is going to be so much more than we imagined. It's going to be so much more than what we get to experience on this earth. And what we get to experience is amazing. Uh, I've got a couple pictures, some, just some of my favorite spots. Um, we recently went on a family vacation to Arizona and these saguaro cactuses were Rachel's favorite thing. She loved the size and the scope. She loved the fact that there are no two that are the same, that they were all unique and different. I think we've got some more pictures of that. As the sun sets, the colors come alive in this. And then it gets even more vibrant. 
Those aren't filters. Those are real pictures that people took of God's creation now. Uh, in, in our home state of Michigan, uh, there are some pictures, I believe, this is a place called uh, Pictured Rocks. This is on Lake Superior in northern Michigan. Uh, you've got the fall, the, it looks like the Caribbean Sea, the water is awesome there, it's super cold, like mind-numbingly cold, but it looks great. Uh, let's see the next one. I mean, that could be a puzzle. That could be a poster. That's a travel brochure. That's God's handiwork in our fallen world. In the world that suffers the effects of sin. I think there's one more. That's a place called Portal Point. On Pictured Rocks, when the sun goes down at certain times of the year, you get to see that. I cannot imagine sitting in a place like that and not experiencing the love and the creativity of our Father. And those are just a glimpse. It's just a shadow of what creation was before sin. And when we go to heaven, we get to experience that creation. We get to see what only Adam and Eve have seen so far. What does creation look like before sin? And so those pictures, they can't do justice to the everyday things that are gonna be on the new earth. And that creation is because God loves us and he wants to give us that place. It's because he loves you and he's calling you and when you choose to follow him, you get to enjoy it. And so when we think about, man, what's that creation gonna be like? How amazing is that gonna be? A lot of times we're like, well, surely if the new redeemed earth, the earth that's not marred by sin, is that amazing? that that's all it's gonna be, that it's just going to be a new Garden of Eden. And there will certainly be aspects of the Garden of Eden in heaven. Uh, Revelation tells us that when we get to heaven, the tree of life, like from Genesis, will be there. And it, it describes the, the blooming of the tree of life. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And it's amazing. I'm so excited about it. But heaven also makes clear that it's, it's going to be much more than just a garden of Eden. Much more than just the natural. That will certainly be there. And we will certainly get to bask in God's creativity and his majesty through the created world. But it also describes a city, his city in Revelation 21, New Jerusalem. And the description of New Jerusalem is familiar to us, but it's also mind-boggling and wondrous. In Revelation 21, we see a description of city walls made out of jasper. We, we hear talk of the foundations that will lay under the city. 
Revelation 21 tells us that the city is going to have walls of pure gold that are clear like glass. It tells us that the buildings and the city walls are going to be adorned with things like emeralds and sapphires and amethyst. And those are all things that we understand, that we know, that we connect with. And that sense of familiarity connects us to it. It grounds it to us. It gives us hope that we'll be at home in this place. But the descriptions also point to our creator, to our God, because of the scope of what he covers. Uh, One of my favorite sections in Revelation 21 when he's talking about that is he talks about the city gates. And when John's given his vision of heaven, he describes these 12 gigantic gates, gates bigger than anything we've experienced. And and I I struggle to comprehend this kind of stuff. And so I thought of uh, some of the Boeing airplane hangars. You've maybe heard about these hangars that that are so massive where they build their planes and they do experimental things that there's, there's, Rumors that they they can develop clouds near the roof because of how big they are. These gates are going to be way bigger than that. Boeing's got nothing on God. (laughs) And my favorite part about that, these massive gates, in Revelation, John tells us they're made out of a single piece of pearl. One pearl for that massive gate. I can't comprehend a pearl that size. And and it's details like that that remind us this will be a familiar place, but it'll also be a place unlike anything that you or I have ever experienced because this is God's city. This is the capital of Christ the King. This is where God is located. The new earth, uh, I like to think of it as God's temple. It's the place that he dwells with his people. That's what he's designed it for. He has created and is creating new earth to have a place where his believers, those who followed him and were washed clean by the blood of Jesus, can spend eternity with him without separation. It's where he dwells with his people. And New Jerusalem is like his holy of holies. And the old temple, that's where God was centered. And to access God, the high priest acted as an intermediary. But on the new earth, that doesn't have to happen. We've been washed by the blood of Jesus when we put our faith and trust in him. We're invited everywhere. So when we go into that New Jerusalem to worship our creator and our savior. We don't have to have the high priest go and do that for us. We get to go and worship at the foot of the king. And in that magnificent place, at the foot of the one who loved us so much that he sent Jesus to make sure we could be with him, we can spend 
an eternity worshiping. A lifetime worshiping. And that's, that's a thought that gives fear to some people. The idea of time. But the reason that time can be fearful is because of our relationship with time here on this fallen place. I've heard people say, well, I I hope time doesn't exist there or I don't think time is going to exist in heaven. And I think the Bible points to the fact that that it will exist. Uh, Revelation 22 has this verse. I think it's really cool. Uh, Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God, and the lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the water, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit. And each month that tree blooms. In heaven, we see that the tree is blooming every month, a different kind of fruit every month. That speaks to the fact that we have time. And so the, the, the question is, well, how, how are we going to use that time? How is that going to affect me? I, I don't, Kevin said, the other day, I don't want to be in a sing-along that lasts forever. And I don't either. But time will be different because time, like the rest of creation, will be redeemed. And so... Here, time is an adversary. Time means decay. It means death. It means losing people that we love. It means separation and relationships that are damaged because of time spent away. But in the new heaven, time functions in a way that serves God. In a new heaven, we can spend a lifetime worshiping our creator and still have an eternity left to explore that creation, to go see all of God's handiwork. And so, we can look forward to a heaven that's more than we can imagine, but also right at home. We can look forward to an eternity that doesn't scare us because time serves him. An eternity where we get to go to the foot of our king and worship and then leave and see our loved ones who are there in redeemed bodies. Ultimately, Audio Adrenaline had it right. It's going to be a big house better than we can ever imagine. That big, big yard is all of God's creation. That big, big table that they asked or that they sang about, that's us communing with other believers who have also been redeemed. Audio Adrenaline did a pretty good job of saying when you get to heaven, you get to live in a redeemed place 
in a redeemed time with redeemed purpose in redeemed bodies. And that should excite us. That should be something that we want to share. That should be something that we want to let everybody know about. And it should be something that we make a part of our daily lives. And and that opportunity is granted to us through Jesus, through the sacrifice he made on the cross. We observe communion every week here at SciFair Christian Church. And it's a reminder to us of Jesus loving us so much, of God loving us so much that he died on the cross so that we could experience creation as God always intended it and what you desire. The longing for the love and that closeness is spoken to you every time we take communion. So our, our communion servers are going to come down front and, and when they're ready, uh, we're gonna take communion together. Uh, here at SciFair Christian, we take communion by intinction. It's a really fancy word for saying you're gonna walk up here and you're gonna get a piece of bread that reminds you of the body of Jesus, that he died on the cross for your sins. And you're gonna take that bread and you're gonna dip it in the cup that represents the blood that he shed so that we could be reunited with a father who loves us so much that he's preparing more than we could ever imagine. And we invite all believers to participate in communion here at SciFair Christian Church. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for loving each and every one in this room so much that you were willing to sacrifice Jesus to make sure that we could experience your love in its most perfect form. We pray that the the time that we spend here today um, motivates us to share that love with others and that in remembering your sacrifice, we we take that to to the communities around us. Your name we pray, amen. In just a moment, my hope is that this morning you felt something stirring inside of you. It's not because of my words, but hopefully you felt the tug of that desire to experience the love God is offering. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, our our prayer partners are gonna be down front. We would invite you to come and, and speak with them and pray with them. They'll be happy to share with you what it means to follow God, to to step into a life of faith. And if you're here and you do know him and you felt a stirring, a desire to share the hope that God gives us with the people around you, come forward, get prayer, let us know so we can walk beside you. There's no stigma in asking for prayer here. It's brothers and sisters coming before their father and, and celebrating and crying out to him. Let's pray for the opportunity we have to take your love into the world around us. Thank you for the love that you give to us. 
pray that we can be a reflection of that um, on this earth as we prepare for an eternity with you in a new and perfect place designed for your children who you love. In your name we pray, amen. As you head out to take the goodness of God into your lives and into communities, we just pray blessings on you. Uh, before you leave, we'd love it if you stopped over at the Foundation Center and helped us welcome Cody and Lauren. You guys are dismissed. We'll see you next week.